Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor's here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now, here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. Those of you that are tuning in online and watching us that way, thanks uh, for coming that way as well. My name's Josh. I'm the lead pastor at Harbor. So if this is your first time, your first time in a long time, know how excited we are that we get to do this weekend together. We are kicking off a brand new series that we're calling Bring It. And uh, as you heard Hannah say, uh, every week of this series, we're going to be looking for a new way or a different way to bless those around us. This week is culminating in our backpack drive, which, uh, man, I saw it's overflowing, and we've got three more services to go, so that's exciting. And uh, I, I'm, I'm stoked that, you know, that's not over. Next week, I hope that you all come back with a water bottle filled with toiletry, some way that we can bless those, uh, you know, going through homelessness. So uh, every week we'll have something new to bring uh, to church. And if you don't want to bring anything, that's fine. We're still glad that you're coming. And if uh, you want to bless somebody else, here's a great tangible way to do that in our community. And we're going to keep expanding. This is like a, a several week series. So every week we're going to give you something new and some people that we've, some organizations that we've worked with that um, could really benefit from a church in their community that cares. And I said, hey, I think I know the church and we're going to talk about what that looks like. So in this idea of bring it, we are going to study every week. We're going to bring something to bless our neighbors, uh, both right next door and across the world. And uh, we're also going to talk about some of the things that God challenges us to bring in our relationship with him. Now, here's the truth. God doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything from us, but yet he wants a relationship with us and he wants us to grow in our faith. And so every once in a while, he'll give us stories and even commands on what to bring on things that we can contribute, not because we have to, but because we get to, and because God's got better for us. Can I get a witness here? I don't know what's going on. All right, here we go. We're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to start with this series with the idea of the uh, breaking down the one of the coolest miracles in the Bible. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Now, if you grew up in church or had some time in church, you've already heard this story. You're like, yeah, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with just a little bit of food. But if you've never been in church or if this is your first time hearing this story, um, it, it's, it's pretty epic. It's so epic that it's one of the very few things that's recorded in all four Gospels. All four Gospels have it, Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. We are going to focus this weekend on mostly Mark 6 and John 6, but you can go read them all uh, when you get time and just kind of hear this, this story told from all different perspectives. What happens in this is it's basically a story of when a little bit becomes a lot. It's a story of when a little bit becomes a lot. Now, in some ways, a little bit... <laughs> Just a little bit can become overwhelming when not enough becomes too much. Jesus doesn't have a lot of followers, just he's got his 12 and a few, and then all of a sudden he starts doing miracles, and his handful of followers turns into thousands and thousands of people wanting help. And a little bit becomes too much. But it's also the story of when a little bit becomes too much because God takes just a very simple few fishes and loaves, and he turns them into a meal that feeds thousands. And so we're going to look at how God does these miracles. And when we talk about miracles, what we're really looking at is how does that affect you and I? Because we're not Jesus. Okay, one person agreed with me. Some of you are like, that, that ticks me off right now, Pastor. I came expecting to be Jesus in this story. All right, well, I'm sorry if that ruins your, your, your weekend. All right, um, let, me, let me take you to the story. And let me just remind you of in case you've never heard it. Let's start in Mark chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 34. 
Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them. Now, Jesus is tired. Jesus was actually trying to get away, but these people just wanted a piece of him. And it says he, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. The other versions also say he, he had already been doing uh, miraculous healings, and, and he's already like, I mean, he's already doing so many cool things, but he's like, I'm going to keep teaching you because you, you want to learn. And then it says, late. In the afternoon, his disciples came to him and they said, hey, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. So send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. They're starving. We've been here all day. Rabbi, you've been preaching all day and we haven't had a chance to eat. I don't want an email about how long sometimes my messages go. And a single one of you ever missed a meal because of my preaching, all right? So like, wait, like let them go home. Let them go home and get something to eat or go and go find somewhere else to buy food. Well, Jesus asked in verse 38, well, how much bread do we have? Go and find out. And the disciples, they came back and they reported, well, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. And then Jesus told the disciples, well, go ahead and have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he blessed them. And then, he, then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. And here's where the miracle comes in. He divided the fish for everyone to share, and they all ate, this is verse 42, they all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, and a total of 5,000 men plus their families were fed that day. So you've never heard this story. It's just a tiny little lunch gets, gets multiplied into feeding thousands upon thousands. Now, just so you understand, most scholars assume that with at least 5,000 men in that culture, there was more than double that for women and children. Some of them say there was at least 12,000 and as many as 20,000 people this day. Now, they only call it the feeding of the 5,000 because they only numbered the men, but the women and children would have been much, much more. And so Jesus is, is, does this, this insane miracle, and it starts with him just multiplying a few things, and yet... We look at that and we, we begin to talk about what God might do, what God might do in your life, what God might do in your family, in your health or your finances or with, with a struggle you're having or in the lives of some of the people around you, some of the people you love or go to work with or share a neighborhood with. And then we begin to go, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to make this happen for me. Here's how I'm going to make sure it, it good comes to me. And we begin to, to see ourselves in the role of miracles as Jesus. And that's not what he's called us to. And so we struggle in our faith. And I know not everybody here has a faith yet. You're trying to figure out what you believe and, and can you trust Jesus. And I'm glad that you're just listening to this message. I, I hope you come to understand that putting your faith in Jesus Christ is the most important decision you could ever make. And for those of you that say, I've already done that, then why is it those of us that claim to be believers, Christians, followers of Christ, why is it that we constantly read these stories and, and fail to learn our lessons? We, <laughs> we actually learn the exact wrong lesson. Like, in this case, when we're talking about bringing it, Jesus always brings it. I mean, Jesus brings the energy, the healing, the love, the miracles. Sometimes he's even like kicking over tables. He brings that kind of energy. I mean, Jesus is bringing it all the time. And then when we try to figure out, what am I supposed to bring? We almost always bring the wrong thing. Let me, let me show you. Let me go back and show you. Mark 6, 35 and 36. Late in the afternoon, the disciples came to him and they said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. 
Now watch verse 36. Send the crowds away so that they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. See, we can, we can identify problems. We don't need Jesus to identify problems, right? We're like, I got problems, and here's a problem. There's way too many people <laughs> and not enough food. And so I'm going to fix it, Jesus. Let me look at this. This is not a please send. Master, would you mind telling the people? They are bossing Jesus around. Master, you need to tell these people, go. Go, go tell them to leave. See, what they came up with was they came up with their answer for the problem. It's not possible to feed all these people. It's way too many mouths, way too hungry. We've been here way too long. The best thing would be for Jesus to make them leave so we can get some rest and they can, they can be somebody else's problem. See, what you and I tend to do, we tend to bring the wrong things. We almost always tend to bring our solutions when that's not what God was looking for. Now, some of y'all didn't write that down because you're like, not me. Yeah, you. You love to tell God how he needs to fix your problems. Some of you, that's, that was the last prayer you had was, dear God, I need this, 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 and this. Because you figured out what you need. You know how it has to go. You've told God what has to happen, what that person needs to do, and what that person needs to do, and then what God needs to do for you. you you've got all of your, now you, you may not be as bold as to just boss God around, but you're definitely bringing God your solutions. There's an old saying, if you want to hear God laugh, just show him all your plans. Do you realize that he is the God of the universe that orchestrated all things being into existence? And then you, you kind of mosey on up and be like, let me tell you what's going to happen today. And God's just like up there looking at us going, oh, you think so? See, this is what the Bible reminds us of in Isaiah 55, verse 8. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. God is going, I got it. I, and all the things that I'm going to allow you to bring, which I don't need you to bring anything, but I'll allow you to bring some things. The thing I definitely don't need is your answer, your solution. Because here's the truth. If I got half of the things I prayed for, I'd be miserable right now. But catch me in the, catch me in the middle of it. Oh, God, I have to have this and I need this. No, I don't. I just thought I did and I had no clue of the bigger picture. See, that's why it says my ways are higher than your ways. They're beyond your ways. Let me show you something else. Go back to John. We're going to jump to, the, to John's version of this story. In John chapter 6, he tells, gives us some extra details. Jesus soon saw, this is verse 5 of John 6. Jesus soon saw a large crowd of people coming to look for him. So he turned to Philip. Philip's one of the disciples. He turns to Philip and he asks, hey, where can we buy bread and, uh, to feed all of these people? That's a tough question. When your boss looks to you and he's like, hey. Did you pack a lunch for about 20,000 people? But watch this. It says he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. I don't know if you guys read the Bible and are sometimes like, what? I read that, and I'm like, that's not fair, Jesus. <laughs> Trick questions from Jesus. Like, Here's the thing. It wasn't that Jesus needed Philip's answer. Remember, he doesn't want us bringing the solution. What he's doing is he's exposing in Philip and all of the other disciples' hearts all the ways that, just like the disciples, we all doubt him. And we all struggle. Because watch Philip's answer. He was testing Philip. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Now, a lot of people wonder why he asked Philip and not any of the other disciples. Uh, many people believe because this is Philip's home turf. This is where Philip was from, this area. So it's kind of like, hey, you're from here. 
Is there a gas station these people can run to? <laughs> What's nearby, Philip? What you got? Give us a solution. Because I know that you ain't got one. And what it does is it begins to pull out. Now notice, any one of the disciples could have stopped and been like, Jesus, you got it, boss. You've been, you've been calming storms and healing lepers and bringing dead people back to life. You got lunch. It's on you. We behind you. Whatever you want. We're right here with you, Jesus. Not a single one of them do that. They're all like, make them leave. And Philip, rather than getting stuck, he's like, whoa, whoa. if we work for months, we don't got it. You asking me for money, Jesus? I ain't got it. I got like a fiver. I don't have enough to feed 20,000 people. See, what we do is sometimes when we know we don't have the right solution, we also then bring our backup, which is our excuses. See, we ain't got solutions, so then we got excuses, right? This is why it ain't going to work, Jesus. God, I, got, I, I know where you're going with this, God, and I know I'm supposed to be generous, and I know you want me to love my neighbor, but I, my wallet's way too thin for whatever it is you're asking. Jesus, by the way, was not asking Philip for money. But often, when God calls us to bring something, we immediately assume it's going to financially hurt us. So we just, oh, I got a lot. I got some bills I got to pay. I got, you don't understand. That guy's got more money. You should be asking him, Jesus. We come up with all these excuses for why we can't do whatever it is that God is trying to pull out of us. And we don't even know what the ask is yet. We just know that it ain't for us. I'm going to get a witness on this message, and somebody's going to start testifying with me. All right. So it's going to go. He goes like this. He's like, hey, uh, uh, even when we worked for months, we wouldn't have it. Because, because, because it's just, there's just not enough there. That's the excuse. There's just not enough. And some of you, you heard me start this by saying, there's a miracle that God's wanting to work, and you immediately started making excuses for why this message wasn't for you. Well, not for me, because my, mine's too far gone. My, I, I, I can't. I, it's not me. And then you've already filled in 20 excuses already, and I haven't even gotten there yet. This is what Benjamin Franklin says about excuses. It says, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. <laughs> Once you get good at making excuses, that's about all you're good at. Come on, we all know somebody who they, they have got an excuse for everything. And if you don't know that person, you might be that person everybody else is thinking of. <laughs> Psalms 114, 141, I'm sorry, he says this, Incline not my heart to evil words, nor let me make excuses in sin. He's actively praying, God, don't let me become the kind of person who just makes up excuses. You know, once we start making a few excuses, we start to believe our own excuses, and then we get real good at making a lot of them. Oh, I know I'm preaching to somebody. You've made a lot of excuses for a lot of the dumb stuff you've been doing, and you're just sitting there right now listening to this going, not me. Yes, you. Yes, you. You've made up excuses, and that's why you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Now, let's go back. It's not just solutions and excuses we bring. Look at what else it says. Right after Philip says, we ain't got the money, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, this is in John 6, verse 8, Andrew, who's, who's the brother of Peter, he spoke up. Now, what's he say? Uh, boss, uh, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Well, we found something, but it's not enough. See, some of us are like Philip. We're the analyzers. And we analyze it, and the problem is too big. Now, some of us are like Andrew. 
And we are doers. We are people of action. I went out and I got something, God. I got some, I got a, a kid's lunchable right here. <laughs> but it's not enough. See, either the problem is too big or the resources are too limited. Does that sound familiar? See, because sometimes we bring solutions and sometimes we bring excuses, but a lot of times we bring fear. We are real good at bringing our fear to the table. God, here's what, it's not enough. You hear a message, you read God's words, he pokes your heart about something, and you immediately resort to the thing that scares you. They're not going to like it if I tell them about Jesus. They're not going to get mad at me for inviting them to church. I can't do it. And we get scared of all of the things that we just imagine could go wrong. Nothing's gone wrong yet, but we're already afraid of all the things that might go wrong. Some of y'all that aren't nodding your heads yes, it's because you've been living a life of anxiety recently. You've allowed your emotions to control the very thing that God says you're supposed to be in control of, your life. And you're now, you're now finding all the things, all the reasons for why you can't do something that God called you to do. They say, what good is that little gift? I'm going to take a time out because I'm going to come back to the message. But what good is that little gift? The gift is too small. There's not enough for God to do anything with it. Remember the God who looked at the widow who put two pennies in the jar? He said, I like that more than I like the people who put thousands in the jar. Because it's not, guys, listen to me. It's not about the size of the gift. It's about the heart of the giver. All right? What he's looking for, he just, it, he didn't need somebody. To, do you remember the, when Jesus called these disciples, he's like, hey, drop your nets on the other side. And they caught hundreds and hundreds of fish. They were just in a boat. If Jesus wanted to, he could make all the fish in that lake jump out. He's like, I don't need anything big. I just want to see who's got a heart. And out of 20,000 people, he gets one little boy to say, hey, I got some lunch. I'll share. You're telling me out of 20,000, at least 5,000, but probably closer to 20,000 people, nobody had an apple? <laughs> nobody had anything else? Yeah, because you all did the same thing that they did. Mm, not me, huh? Man, I wish I did. <laughs> Keep that for me. See, Jesus says this in John 14, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give you is a gift that the world can't give you. So stop being troubled and afraid. Stop being afraid of stuff in this world. The world's never going to bring you peace. Just trust me for that. Your fear is robbing you of the peace that I have planned for you is what Jesus is saying. See, they would say, Philip would say the problem's too big. And Andrew would say the, the resources are too small. No, no, no. The problem is your faith is too small. See, it's not that the, the thing that you're, you're thinking of, my marriage is too far gone, it's too broken. My addiction has too much of a control over me, I'll never find victory. That, that person and I will never be friends again. There's, the trust is forever gone. You fill in the blank. The doctor's diagnosis is way too heavy and too scary. The, the bills have, have piled up higher than I'll ever be able to get past. You've convinced yourself that the problem is too big and the resources are too small. And what you're missing out is that's not what God called you to bring to any of this stuff. He's trying to tell you guys, listen, it's, I want you to stop focusing on what you can't do and start remembering and focusing and believing in what God can do. That is what he's asking you to bring. These guys have been watching Jesus do miracles time and time again. And then they stand there like, there's a lot of people to feed. What? 
And I read this, and I'm like, these are the dumbest people ever. And then I look in the mirror, and I'm like, oh. Okay. I see what God was doing there. I want to I take another aside, because I want to keep preaching, but I want to I just play this, like, maybe this happened too. I don't think that boy gave everything that his mom packed him. I think that boy already ate some of his lunch. How do I know that? I don't know it, but I've been a little boy that got sent to church before. And not every time does little boys just enjoy lots and lots of Bible teaching. He might have gotten bored. I mean, they've been there for hours and hours. And I'm, it says they're all hungry. And he had a lunch. His mom packed him a lunch. Now, I need you to understand, this is not a big lunch. This was literally a Lunchable, okay? It says fish and loaves, but did you notice it said barley loaves? Barley loaves is a poor person's biscuit. If he had been rich, he would have had it. It would have been made of wheat. But he had a barley loaf. He had barley crackers, little biscuits. And when you talk about fish, don't be thinking stripers that you catch off off the cape. You're talking, we're talking little tiny sardines. He had a couple sardines and some biscuits. And maybe his mom gave him 10, 10 sardines and 10 biscuits. But then he shows up. He's like, I got five and two left. <laughs> But like he'd already been eating them. Now, is that wrong? Maybe he had eaten them before they asked. Maybe they were asking. He's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. But he's been there a long time. Here's what I would say. Here's the reason I bring it up. And I don't know if any of that's true. But I do know that often I have bought into the lie that all I've got is leftovers and God can't do anything with my leftovers. I need you to hear how stupid that is. I've already wasted it. Some of you are already thinking that. I've already wasted the best years of my life. I don't have anything left to give God. I don't have time left to give God. I don't have treasure left to give God. I don't have any talent left to give God. I don't have a testimony left to give God. If you are in here and you're breathing, you're this side of the dirt, then God says you've got something left to bring. Come on, I need a witness. Come on. You've got something left to bring. What he's saying is he goes, I... Do you understand that the blue boy, if it's leftover, he's like, I just got left. I just, what's left in the tank is just scraps. It's nothing good. God goes, I'll take your leftovers, and I'll make enough to feed everybody, and then I'll have 12 buckets of leftovers. Yeah, but pastor, this is, it's just a place of impossibility for my miracle. What you're talking about, the miracle I need, it's, it's worse than feeding thousands of people. It's, it's beyond hope. Good news for you. That's where miracles happen. Like you have to get to a place where you can't figure out a way that it could ever work out. That's the only time a miracle happens because if you've got the plan, you don't need a miracle. But if you found your play, yourself at a place where you're like, there is no way short of a miraculous, supernatural, all-powerful God intervention, then you're like, yes, that's now you're ready for the miracle. So you're getting set up for it. Now, this is what, this is what Jesus says and. In Matthew 19, 26, he looked at his disciples and he said, hey, humanly speaking, the thing you want, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. The miracle you're denying right now, the miracle that you're saying it can't happen, God's saying, if it's left up to you, you're right, it can't happen. But there's a God who has, has the power to make anything happen. So all things are possible. So then then, it's, then I, I keep bringing wrong things, then what's this, what's this really about? This message and this story in the Bible is really about what God brings. It's not really about what we bring. I'll get to what we should be bringing here in just a second, but it's really about what God brings. Let me take you back to the story in John, John 5, John 6, verse 5. 
Jesus soon saw a huge crowd. Remember how he, he asked Philip, what are you going to do? He says, he looked at him, he turned to Philip and he asked, hey, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Remember how Philip got all defensive, like, we ain't got the money. Jesus had already given him the answer in the question with this word right here. Where can we buy enough food? Philip heard, where is Philip going to pay for all the food? And what God asked Philip was, where can we, me and you, Philip, where can we feed these people? You see what happened there? Same thing that happens to you and I. We read God's word, and yet when scary times come, we, we look as if though we have to be the reservoir of all the strength and all the wisdom and all the answers. That's just a lie from Satan, because deep down, you ain't got it, and you're going to fall flat on your face, and Jesus never asked you to have it. He didn't say, yoke up to yourself so that you can do all the work. He said, come yoke up with me. I got you. This is my, he's like, my burden's easy. It's light. I, I'll take care of it. Just come, come hang out with me. I got you. And you and I hear that, and we hear, go do it all on your own. Suck it up. You better get stronger. See, what you and I what we'd look at, what we see as a me problem, Jesus sees as a we problem. We got a problem, we're going to fix it. And you and I keep going through every day. We get up out of bed under me power, my strength, my ideas. Is it any wonder that you're exhausted at the end of the day with no hope, no energy, no plan? You keep doing it all under you. It's like, oh, this is a me problem. No, no. God says it's meant to be a we problem. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 5? He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, if you stick with me, if you remain in me, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to produce a lot of fruit in you. But then he ends it very dramatically, and he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Why are you trying to do something apart from him every day? Whatever it is you're doing, your work, your romantic relationships, your, 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 your exercising or saving financially, what, anything you're doing in your power is going to result in nothing if God is not involved in that. It's not a you problem. It's a you and him problem. He wants to be involved. He wants to walk with you. Mark 6, verse, 44, verse 41. Let's move on to the story. Jesus took the five loaves and two fishes, and he looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. You know what this verse tells me? This verse tells me that short of Jesus' intervention, nothing good was going to happen. Because left in the hands of that little boy, those fishes, those fish and those loaves were just a lunch. And left in the hands of the disciples... Those fish and loaves were just not enough. But you put them in the hands of Jesus and watch what kind of miracle happens. Jesus gets his hands on it and then all of a sudden something big happens. Something powerful happens. Jesus takes that and that's what makes all the difference. And I just, I don't think it's an accident that the Bible tells us that Jesus got his hands on those loaves and fishes. How many times are we praying about something that we never give to God? You got a child far from God? Have you actually said, God, they're yours? 
You've got, you've got, some, you got some, some financial issues. Have you ever said, God, everything I have is yours. You, you need to go to work. Or do you pray for something that you then keep from him? God, I need you to fix it, but I'm going to hold on to it. Jesus, bless all this food, but I'm going to make sure I keep it close to me because I'm real hungry. Do you see that in the story? Do you know this story was called the Josh Adams works with Jesus to feed thousands? It ends right there because I'm like, yeah, you can bless it. But I'm hungry. I'm not going to give it to him because if he, I give it to him, he's going to like love his neighbor and give it to his neighbor. And I'm hungry, so I'm not going to do that. And I've already thought through how God's going to shortchange me if I give up my lunch. And so I spend more of my time trying to protect me and do very little of trusting him. See, my brokenness in my own hands leads me to despair, but in Jesus' hands, it leads me to healing. My addiction in my hands leads me to a vicious cycle, but in Jesus' hands, it leads me to freedom. My marriage in my hands leads me to despair, but in Jesus' hands, it leads me to a renewed love with my spouse. My emptiness in, in my hands, it leads me to feeling lost and, and depressed, but in Jesus' hands, it brings fulfillment. My hate left in my hands leaves me with bitterness and frustration, but in Jesus' hands, it leads me to forgiveness. My time that I have so very little of, when I keep it in my hands... It's wasted, but when I give my time to Jesus, that becomes that real investment. My treasure, when I keep it for me and invest in what I want, it ends up being shallow. But when I give it to Jesus, it becomes something of real value. My talent, my testimony, the things when I, I keep them for me, they just end up rotting. And either bringing out ego or more greed. And yet when I leave them in God's hands, when I put it in Jesus' hands, lives are changed. It's the difference on who I'm trusting with what I think is most important. That's why God allows us to bring gifts. It's not because he needs them. It's because we need to let go of them. Some of y'all should have wrote that down. Jesus asked them, he said, in Mark 6, 38, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. How much bread you got? Go and find out. See what he did? He set him on a mission. He said, I'm going to do something, but you need to be a part. I'm allowing you to be a part of figuring this out. Now, Jesus is bringing calm to the chaos. He's bringing order to the disorder. He's going to make them sit down in groups, but he starts by doing an inventory. You know, last week, we took a church inventory. Last week, we literally did what Jesus said. He goes, okay, go and see what you got for me to use. I don't need you for anything. But I'm going to let you play a part. So why don't you see what you can bring to the table? You bring me just a little bit, I can do amazing with it. And that should encourage you to bring me a lot more. He said, go see what you got. Then we'll talk about what I'm going to do next. We asked our entire church. We said, hey, how many of you would step up and start attending regularly and giving sacrificially? How many of you would you start serving generously? We had 108 new volunteers say, hey, I'll start serving. Never served before. 108 people said, I'm going to start serving. I'm excited for 108 people in God's house to be used in the hands of Jesus to impact our community. Because when you add, if you add a couple fish and little crackers to Jesus, he feeds 20,000. Can you imagine what God's going to do when 108 of his children say, use me to serve my community? Hello, Arbor. This is how we start churches. This is how we reach communities. This is how light spreads into the darkness is when you say, God, I'm here. Use me. So... <clears throat> What should we be bringing then? 
let's, let's end this, all right? What should we be bringing? You told us all the things we shouldn't. Well, I told you, you keep bringing your solutions. What you should be bringing is your surrender. See, we have a tendency to bring solutions, but what God says, just surrender to my plan. Just let me use you, you dumb disciples. If you haven't learned by now, just trust me. That's why the Bible time and time and time and time again keeps reminding you and I of this incredibly important thing that we screw up almost every day. Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. So I live this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't wake up every day going, Josh has got to get his. What the Bible has called me to do is wake up every day going, God, you have access to all of me. So let my conversations be what you want them to be. Let me spend my time doing what you want me to do. God, use me in whatever way you want. It's a surrender. Can you imagine if those disciples sat back and they're like, well, we ain't passing out any, I don't want to pass out fish. My hand's going to smell like fish the rest of the day. <laughs> right? And then Peter would have been like, bro, you're a fisherman. Get over it. Like, let's go. <laughs> we would have. But you know what? We, we don't just bring the solutions. We also bring those excuses. But see, what, what we should be doing, instead of coming up with excuses, we should be bringing our expectation. See, I, I tend to bring excuses all the time. Why don't I ever, why don't we just tomorrow, just tomorrow, wake up and go, God, I'm expecting you to be the God that you said you are. You said you could do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything I could ask or think. So I'm asking for a good day, and I'm expecting a great day. Some of y'all, your workplace would close down from shock if you showed up that way. You showed up in a good mood tomorrow, like, oh, I'm happy to be here. They'd be like, you're sick. You need to go home. <laughs> they wouldn't know what to do with you. You haven't, you haven't had an expectant on God kind of day in a long time. How do I know I can do that? Because, see, this is 2,000 years ago. Jesus was really nice back then, but it's 2022. It sucks now. No, 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 no. See, Hebrews tells me in chapter 13 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever in the same Jesus who had compassion on a bunch of people that were, that were taking away his rest time and he not only taught them but then he fed them. That kind of Jesus is walking with you and I today and tomorrow and you can expect that then too. So what about that fear though? A lot of things to be afraid of. But don't just show up with your fear. That's what you and I tend to bring. We tend to bring fear. But you know the answer. We're supposed to be bringing our faith instead. I've got, a, I've got a lot of things that I don't think are going to work and a lot of reasons I don't think it's going to work. And everything you're preaching, Pastor Josh, is for somebody else, not for me. That's because your faith is weak. That's because God has got you listening to this message so that you can, you can take a small step. It might be a real small step, but a step in trusting him. Some of you listening to this message, maybe it's you online. Maybe it's somebody sitting here right now. Your step needs to be trusting him for the very first time. You're not going to have, you can't have an expectant, excited, surrendered life if you've never had a moment where you truly lay down the driver's seat and let him be in control. You have that, you're like, you're very into that uh, bumper sticker idea of like, geez, my co-pilot. He doesn't want to be your co-pilot. You suck at driving. Jesus wants to sit in the driver's seat. You can sit over there and make suggestions, but he's not going to listen. He doesn't need your plan, but like 
You're supposed to be riding where you let him be in control. And too often you're sitting there going, no, it's all about me. See, it's, it, it's, you got to put your faith somewhere. And if you keep putting your faith in yourself, you're going to keep falling short and you're going to miss out on the miracles that God has for you. Look at how the story ends. Jesus took, this is Mark 6, 41. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven. He blessed them. Remember, he's got them in his hands. Anything Jesus touches is forever changed. He breaks the loaves into pieces, and he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people, and he divided fish for everyone to share. Do you know that up until this point, the disciples haven't really participated in any of the miracles? They've just been outsiders looking in. They're like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> And they're like, we're here with Jesus. <laughs> and then they, they stand there while Jesus is healing people. And they're like, we're with him. <laughs> they can credit and mosey along, but they haven't done anything up to this point. And now Jesus says, hey, it's time for you guys to get in the game. You've been watching. You've been on the, listen to me. You've been on the outside watching for a while. Okay, I'm going to preach something different now. You've had your time sitting there doing nothing, letting me do all the work. I'm going to invite you to bring in your participation at this point. I don't know if you, if you caught the, the point of the message, but God doesn't need us. He's the one that's bringing it. What he's allowing you and I to do is bring in some participation. Not because he needs us, but because he knows that we need it. So he's saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to do the miraculous stuff. How about you just help me pass it out? I get to be a part? Yeah, it's almost like God was preparing them for, let me think about it, what the church is supposed to be when he leaves. See, if I have received something miraculous from Jesus Christ, my job is not to sit there and go, this is mine. My job is to go, thank you, Jesus. How can I share this with as many people as possible? My job is not to hoard it and become a bucket. My job is to let it flow through me. So if God touches the fish and the loaves in my life, then my best that I can offer is, God, let me share this with people who are right now hungry. It's almost like it's part of the Great Commission. Let me be a part of going everywhere and telling everyone. I read that to you last week, and some of you heard, I hope my friends come to church so Pastor Josh can tell them about Jesus. That's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is that this building is not the church to begin with. You are the church, especially those of you that said you wanted to be a member. You're the church. Your job is to take the message, the blessing, the fish and loaves that Jesus Christ has touched. Your job is to take that out to everybody else. You're supposed to be out there sharing what it is that God gave you. That's how people come to know. You're like, where do I start? There's, an, there's two or three giant things out there filled with cards. Just, just take some cards and invite somebody. Just say, hey, I want you to be a part of this journey. If you're too scared to tell them about Jesus because you you're like, I don't know, I don't know, then at least tell them to, about church and tell them that they can come with you. I don't think that's the best thing. I think the best thing is for you to start telling them your story how Jesus has changed you. But some of you, that's, 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 that's going to, I can tell by your faces, it scares you too much. <laughs> but I, I, do, I do think this sometimes. I know some of you are praying for your children to come to know Jesus. You're just praying that somebody somewhere would love on them, your mom, your dad. You've got a brother that's so far from God, you don't even know where he is, physically or spiritually. And you're praying God does something, and yet today, God brought you across 20 different people's paths, and you didn't say one thing to them. You know that guy that got you coffee today at Dunkin'? That's somebody's son. 
That lady that you ignored at work, that's somebody else's sister or mom or daughter. So if you're praying for God to do something in the people you love's life, what if he's using you to do that in somebody else's? You're supposed to share what it is that God's done to you. Now, you want to know why we don't? I thought this through. This might be the first time you've ever heard this story. So I'll give you a pass that you wouldn't do this. I know that I would be thinking this. All right, the miracle hasn't happened yet. Jesus is like, bless these fish and these loaves. And here, Josh, here's, here's here's a half of a cracker and a half of a fish. Pass it out. And I'm going to be like, this is going to last all about 30 seconds. <laughs> and then I'm looking at a sea of hundreds and hundreds of people. And I'm sitting there thinking, this ain't going to last very long. I better get some before it's gone. <laughs> Listen, some of y'all, if, if you went home, if you, if you stopped by one of the fast food restaurants to bring everybody else some food home today, You'd be eating the fries before they got there. I know you would. You'd eat half of them and then shake the box in to be like, oh, they must have shortchanged us today. <laughs> no, they didn't. You just got to get some while you could. Hey, it's a tax, right? You know, we would have been doing that. As like, I can't be trusting that I'm not going to have enough. Oh, we all think this. Now, it sounds stupid with fish and crackers, but you put anything else in there where God says, hey, I want you to share what I've given you with other people. You and I immediately, you fill in anything other than fish and crackers, you and I immediately go, well, then they're going to have what I have, and I'm not going to have any. Notice what happens in the Bible. John 6, 12. After everyone was full, Jesus said, now gather up the leftovers so that nothing's wasted. People didn't just get a nibble. People didn't just get a couple bites of fish. They, they, didn't, they didn't just run through and be like, oh, okay, well, I mean, it's just enough to curb the appetite. They ate until they were full. Look at Mark's version of it. They all ate. This is verse 42 of Mark 6. They all ate as much as they wanted. These people were hungry. And you know what hungry people are like? You've been to a church barbecue? They're like, they're eating. You know, you know there was somebody that ate it and was like, I haven't gotten any yet. Bull crab, you haven't gotten any yet. You're just pretending like you haven't eaten yet. They were over there. There's ladies putting it in their purses for later. And guys stuck it in their pockets. They're like, I'll take seconds and thirds and acting like they hadn't eaten. They were, they were chowing down. And everybody got as much as they wanted and then some. They all had to-go boxes of Jesus' miracle. And you know what Jesus saved for last? And afterward... The disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. Why 12? 12 disciples. The very people that Jesus said, you start passing this out and watch what I'll do, are the very people he said, now I'm going to give you your own doggy bag so big. You can go tell your family about this miracle. You can share it with everybody because I know that when I asked you to start passing this out, you started going, you started counting, and you're like, uh. Now, something miraculous happened along the way. When you started tearing off and giving away, man, there was always just enough. It was just enough for the next person. Just enough for the next person. There was a widow lady in the Old Testament. She said, I've got just enough left, enough oil in the jar left to, to cook something, and then me and my son are going to die. And the man of God said, you make a little bit for the man of God, and then just trust that God will have enough left over. And it said, until the famine ended, every day she went back, and there was just enough. There's just enough. And see, when God calls us 
to be part of his plan, to share what we have, to love our neighbor like we would love ourselves, and we start to give of our life, we start to invest in our time and our treasures and our talents and our testimonies, and we actually care about people the way Jesus cared about them, then all of a sudden there is just enough left for you as well. Pastor, I can't be going buying a backpack for foster kids. Okay, if you can't, that, that you can't. But I would imagine that if you say, God, help me be a blessing to those around me, and I'm going to trust that you have enough blessing left for me, he'll do it. Notice that I'm not the Holy Spirit. God may be doing something else with your finances, but I, I cannot imagine you can read through all of the scripture where God calls us to love people sacrificially, and he guarantees us that he's got enough. You see, those leftovers, man, I, I can't imagine. I, I, just, I just put myself in the place of a disciple, and I would have stood there quietly being like, the whole time I would have been doubting. And then I would have been passing out, and the whole time I would have been like, I guess I'm going hungry tonight. And then somewhere along the way, my heart would have been changed, and I would have gone. And then I got to the end, and I'm filling up a basket. And it says Josh on it. And my basket full of bread and fish is way more than we started with when we had that whole kid's lunch sitting there. And now I've got to hold that basket on that boat ride home, and I'm just looking at it going, man, my faith is so small. See, some of y'all... You should have been nodding your head and praising along with me on this message because you've already gone through some of the storms that life has and God has got you through even though you didn't think you were going to get through them. You're on the other side and now you can testify, man, my God is big enough for that. See, that's the beautiful thing about leftovers. They remind us of what it is that God does. I sit and I look at that leftover and I go, man, I bring a lot of stupid stuff to the table, but all he wants is me to surrender and believe in him and then let him use me. That's all I got to bring. And look what's left over. See, my leftovers, they give me room to, to, to believe. They give me a cause to trust. They give me a reason to have hope. They give me a reason to praise. We sang that song at the beginning that, man, my praise belongs to God. I, just, I'm, I should be doing that. You're not doing it because you ain't got no leftovers to look back on. When you allow God to use you and you become generous with what it is that God has given you and you actually start loving the people around you the way Jesus loved them, there will always be enough left for what you need. Always enough. I'm going to have you stand with me if you would, Harbor. Let's pray. As I pray out loud, I'd ask you, maybe have a prayer right where you're at. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Just bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to ask you to pray right there where you're standing. God, would you do something in our lives this day, right now? As I pray out loud, would you just simply ask God to maybe forgive you for some of the, the things you've been trying to bring to the table? You've been bringing excuses and your own solutions, and you've been living in your fear way more than you've been living in faith. What about this weekend you say, God, I want to start living with a surrendered life that is expecting you to show up in big ways. I'm not going to be controlled by all the things that I think. I'm going to start leaning on what your Bible tells me, what I can know from you. You start praying that right now, right where you stand. You pray quietly. I'll pray out loud. And while you're praying that, there's some people right now, whether they're online or in this room, 
Your prayer needs to be that other prayer I was talking about, that prayer of inviting Jesus Christ to sit in the driver's seat. There's some people in this room right now, you've been trusting you so long that you can't imagine a miracle from God because there's never really been surrender in your life. How about right now you surrender? You say, God, I want you to call the shots. I'm letting you be in control. If you open up your heart, the Bible says not only will Jesus forgive you, he'll cleanse you, he'll give you a home in heaven when you die one day, but he'll also give you purpose for where you're at right now. Would you pray that? Invite Jesus Christ in as your Lord and Savior. As I pray out loud, you pray quietly. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the story of you feeding 5,000 people. God, the way you show up, when you get your hands on something, it's changed forever. So Lord, I'm asking that you would get your hands on the hearts of the people under the sound of my voice. God, would you let us be a church that's surrendered and expecting you to do huge things. God, keep Satan out of our ears. Keep the world out of our minds. Keep our own flesh from, from distracting us. Don't let fear creep in. God, we, we want to walk forward in faith. We want to walk out of this room different than we walked in. God, we need you. Jesus, we need you. And in this moment, God, we want to we want to lift up those who need you for the first time. I pray, God, that they would invite you into their heart. They would accept you, Lord, as a, as a savior as someone who can cleanse them and give them a, a real purpose for their life, God, I pray they would be strong enough, bold enough, courageous enough right now to invite you in. And God, I pray that each and every one of us would stop leaning on what we want and start trusting what you want. Lord God, I ask that you would use this message this weekend not as a, as a, as a form of chastisement where we leave feeling guilty about how bad we've been, but God, let us be excited about the fact that you're a God of supply. You're a God of miracles. You're a God who brings the leftovers to our table. God, there's so many things in my life that I, I should be praising you for. I should be thanking you for. Forgive me for forgetting so quickly all the miracles that you've already done. God, let me be a, a person who celebrates you and points others to you. God, would you use us? God, would you use me to be a light to others? Would you use this church as a way to bring hope to our communities. God, we believe this is possible and we trust it's possible in your precious and holy name. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.